Shalom everyone, Shalom Alechem. Hope everyone's doing well tonight and uh, ready to study for a little while. Well, I've, I've decided instead of trying to uh, force <laughs> so much information down you at one time, we'll, and we're still going to be doing that too, but I'm, I'm going to try to go at a little more modified pace uh, because there's so many other things that we need to bring in to with us in the study of Rabbi Ashlag that uh, that actually of climbing the ladder in the shadow of the ladder that we need to bring in to really expand uh, our understanding of what he's trying to tell us and uh, sometimes that's good and sometimes it's not because sometimes it draws us maybe a little too far away from the the train of thought that he is trying to give to us but I'm going to do a, a juggling act here a little bit as we go along uh, in this in this particular lesson and uh and 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 in others also now uh hopefully with god's help we'll really get to something extremely profound tonight and i'm i'm not sure that we in fact i am sure that we will not be able to go into it in depth yet and bring all the other information uh that will help us but still we will with god's help we will get the thought in our head of what he is trying to get across to us and it really is if we'll stop and think about it a minute it's really truly a revolutionary kind of thought that uh, it really is something so let's jump and see where we were what we were talking about let's pick back up what we were talking about and uh, he, he is explaining to us that the world is is one spiritual entity it's the same thing we talk about in in the Kabbalah it's talked about um, actually the Baal Shem Tov uh, talks about this very very clearly and uh, in fact, let me read for you something very quickly. And this is from uh, Rav Yitzhak Ginsburg, uh, out of his book on uh, called "The Hebrew Letters: Channels of Creative Consciousness." Now, this is a book written strictly on the letters, the Hebrew letters, of which uh, you know the the, the tradition uh, is that this is really the first thing that Hashem created, in the sense He created the letters as vessels in order to her, uh, hold specific uh, qualities of his light and he had to have the letters in order to actually speak or to sing the Torah and uh, to sing the Torah and as the blueprint of all creation creation came into existence and this is a, an extremely profound thought and is if any of you and I'm sure if you you'll you have all been students for some time uh, and we haven't had a really chance to even talk about Hebrew very much, but honestly, in in the study of the Torah, Hebrew is the absolute, and an understanding of Hebrew and the letters on the level of these three levels he's going to talk about is an absolute must. Uh, I mean, uh, to really get some in-depth uh, insight into the text of the Torah, it's 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 really unbelievable. Anyway. So I'm not pitching at you that you all need to learn Hebrew, but it would be very nice. That would be a nice thing. And if not, we'll just uh, we'll study together with somebody who does know Hebrew, and they can show us all kinds of wonderful insights. Anyway, the reason I want to look at this is because Rabbi Ashlag also is talking about on the level of worlds and on the level of souls. Uh, there is a third level that's called divinity. So let me read to you from uh, Rav Yitzhak Ginsburg for just a moment. And I think it will help us, even before we make our short review, it will help us a little bit to understand this. He says, The Baal Shem Tov, who was the founder of Hasidut, in his famous letter that we looked at last time we were together, 
he said, initiates us into the awareness of the Hebrew letters. In each of their three representations of form, and this, every letter has a form, every letter has a name, and every letter, letter, has, letter has a number. And with God's help, I will be able to talk in a moment. Okay? <laughs> I'm not sure what's going on with me. Anyway, every letter has a form, it has a name, it has a number. But it also has three general levels of consciousness, and those levels of consciousness are worlds, number one, number two, souls, number three, divinity. Now, even though he is talking about the letters, and we are talking about, in Rabbi Ashlag's view, the world, talking about the entire creation, and then souls, talking about uh, souls, uh, and he doesn't really go into divinity. Still, even though Rabbi Ashlag is, or, or excuse me, Rabbi Ginsburg is talking about letters, his definitions also apply to to our work here because it's on this same level. So he says, worlds implies the range of all phenomena, whether that phenomena is physical or whether it is spiritual, as we perceive them. At the level of worlds, one sees himself as a physical are a spiritual creature, among creatures, no different in essence than an animal or a vegetable or a stone. Uh, there's all the four levels there. The positive element of world, world's consciousness, the positive part of that is it's able to put down one's ego in true submission to one's creator, he says, as we will talk about more. Then he moves to the level of souls, and he says, souls implies the sense of creative consciousness, close to the sense that this are similar idioms, he says, are used by many of the most outstanding proponents of quantum physics today. And he says, here, on the level of souls, one interacts with the creation, and the reality of the world depends upon me and my perception of it, and I depend upon the reality of the world. Now, at the level of divinity, he says, that implies the one true reality, with a capital R, that is behind and that, and that ultimately is the source of both, yet unrectified created consciousness and the quasi-reality that it appears to create. Uh, ultimately, he says, the souls of Israel are one with God. They are partners with him in the act of creation. In regard to this, or in regard to Betzalel, Betzalel, you know, the, who is the creator, actually, and the builder, and the designer, and uh, 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 all of those things, of the Mishkan, the holy tabernacle, in the book of Exodus. So in regard to Betzalel, the creation, he says, of Tzadikim, like Betzalel, is even more praiseworthy than that of the heavens and the earth, because in it the purpose of all creation is realized, and that purpose being a dwelling place for the Holy One, blessed be he, here below. We're going to see that that's very, very important. That, that really is our service. Now, we know the purpose of creation is so that Hashem can share his good with his creatures, so that, uh, or as the Ramchal says, so that he can um, uh, have other created entities uh, to give them pleasure. But our service, our service is actually to create for him a dwelling place for the Holy One, blessed be he, here below. And the Jewish soul has an aspect of, of what that is, and the non-Jewish soul also has a different aspect of, of what that is and how to bring it to pass. And and we're going to see as we move along in the study that we need both of those aspects. 
We absolutely need them. We need the Jewish aspect and what that mission is and what that duty is, which is mainly to bring the light of Hashem into the world here below, to bring that light, to bring that revelation. And we need the non-Jewish aspect of it, the non-Jewish mission of it, which is what? To actually, and this is done through the seven Noahide laws, uh, and this is going, oh, well, I have so much to tell you, and I'm just, uh, I'm trying to decide exactly when to just jump off into it, but I, and I think we need to do it step at a time. Uh, but uh, I get I get myself worked up a little a little bit thinking in my head what sh- what I want to come out with, of my mouth. <laughs> anyway, we have the non-Jewish mission, the non-Jewish aspect of making that home here below, which is making this world a place that's suitable to build that home, and that's going to become very important as we go along. Anyway, he says so. The clarified creation of the souls of Israel is in truth. Now, this is an interesting thought that he says it's more real than real. He says a further way to understand the meaning of worlds and souls and divinity and in this way all in the experience of man in relationship or in relation to Hashem at the level of worlds this is extremely important one searches for one's creator who hides within his creation. The great disciple and the successor of the Baal Shem Tov the Magid of Mezrich explains the secret of creation as God playing hide-and-seek with souls whose initial consciousness is in a state of exile at the level of worlds. This also will become clear as we go. At the level of souls, one serves God in a state of total commitment to walk in his ways as revealed or as commanded or as suggested, whatever word we want to use, in the Torah. And here, one merits, one comes to the place where he becomes a servant of God, whereas at the previous level of worlds, one has not yet even found the master, nor his explicit directed directive for corrected or rectified behavior. At the level of divinity, one experiences actually being a part of God in the sense of being a son, in the sense of being a child whose very essence derives from that of his or her father, as taught in the, uh, in the, in the Tanya, uh, written by the, the Alter Rebbe, the first Lubavitcher Rebbe. Okay, let's put that book aside right quick. Let's go back to Rabbi Ashlag, pick up with him in a very, I'll try to make it brief, in a brief review, and then plow ahead with what he is trying to tell us. And basically he tells us, and is trying to get across to us, the world is one spiritual entity. We can even say, now we can even apply this because, you know, the, the, the rule is the macrocosm uh, is totally related uh, perfectly uh, to the microcosm. So we can even say, you know, all souls in some sense are one. They are one spiritual unity together. But anyway, that's, that's not what he's trying to get across to us now. He's saying the world is one spiritual entity, and it divides into three parts. Within, within the time period of, his, of its existence. This head part, which is the, these upper three spherot. In fact, let me see if I can find, oops, I'll find the right place to jump to in a minute. I want to jump here. Yes, this is something also I got from, um, from one of uh, Rob Ginsburg's books on the spherot and, how, and their human correspondences. So he is telling us that the world has a, has a head part which is basically now he is not counting this this upper upper uh, sphira the sphira of Keter. By the way, do you know something quite interesting? 
that I just have to tell you. I can't, I can't stand it. I have to go ahead and tell you now. Be, and it's good because I'll probably forget to tell you later. You know, this Keter, this uh, top Sphira, the top one, which is really the unknowable crown, the will of Hashem, the will of God. And it also has three different levels, by the way, inside of it. And the uh, level of faith and, and understanding and intellect, all of those things, they're, they're also locked into there. But Keter in Hebrew, uh, Kaf Tav Resh, if we take the gematria of that, the gematria is 620. Now, somebody says, okay, so big deal. No, it's actually extremely interesting because it's made up of two numbers that we're all very familiar with. 620 equals first, 613, the commandments of the Jewish people, plus 7, the commandments of B'nai Noach. I think that's that's exceedingly interesting to me that we have locked in Keter, the crown, the will of Hashem. And by the way, you know, the end is wedged in the beginning. Everything is actually in that in that top uh, sphera. So we see both both levels, both different, both kinds, if you will. I'm looking for an adequate word, adequate word, and that's really I haven't come up with one yet. But we see both sides of the souls that are in the world. Those that are Jewish souls that are obligated to the 613 plus those who are non-Jewish souls obligated to the 7. Both of those are locked in to the gematria of Keter in the top. That's that's just exceedingly interesting to me. Anyway, okay, let's jump back to where, we, where we're trying to go. So we have Chokmah, Binah, and Da'at. These right here who are the head then, as Rabbi Ashlag often just says, he, he, he sometimes just says Teferit, okay? He'll just say Teferit, and what he means by Teferit are these particular, uh, all these other uh, Sphirah. In this case, he doesn't mean that. Let's jump back to where we were before, uh, if I can catch the right one. Yeah, the body part is actually Chesed, Gevurah, and Teferit. And then we have what he calls the leg part or the tail part, the meaning the end part, is Netzach, Hod, and Yesod. Let's jump back one more time to look at it. So we have Chesed, Geburan, Teferet standing alone this time. This is the body, meaning the torso, part of the history of the world. And then we have the end of the world, or the tail part, or the, or the leg part, which is Netzach, Hod, and Yesod. And Malkut is... Malkut is actually meaning kingdom, meaning sovereignty. It's actually making a home for Hashem in this world below is, is really what it's connected to. Okay, so basically he's telling us that the world as a spiritual entity has a structure according to the Sefirot. Let's go on and see what else he said. He said there's a correspondence from the sages that the head part... Uh, was related to what we call, or what the rabbis call, the stage of chaos, and really what they're meaning there is meaning incompleteness, uh, meaning from the time of Adam to uh, actually the giving of the Torah, or at least until Avraham, from Adam to Avraham, uh, where the lights were few, and at the quality of Nefesh. Then he talks about the body part, which is the stage of the Torah, and it is at the level of the quality of Ruach. Now he's relating each of these to different levels of a soul, nefesh, ruach. Then the legs are the end part, the days of the Mashiach, and the quality of neshama. 
Let's jump again. Okay. Then he told us that, uh, wh what this has to do with, and that the rule of spiritual entities, both on the level of worlds and souls, number one, is that the purest vessels, and, and a soul, by the way, is a vessel, because really what is a soul, in a sense, it's, it's light from a shim, something from a shim, part of himself, that is, like, remember at the very first of it, it's, it's cut away from him, or it's separated from him by the vessel of the will to receive. So the purest vessels, he says, always incarnate first, come into, first into the spiritual entity, in this case the world. And in our generation, he says, meaning the generation that we're in, the souls that are incarnating are from the, actually the very lowest spherot. They're from the lowest vessels. They're, they're, not, they're not on the level of purity as the first souls, like from Adam, Adam to Abraham. They're not even on the level of the purity of souls from, from Abraham to, to us, uh, uh, or to Moshe Rabbeinu, and, and not in any sense of the word. But he says, in our generation, the, the souls that are incarnating are from the very lowest spherot. However... Our souls, the ones that are incarnating now in our generation, we are absolutely necessary because they complete the spiritual entity. They complete both the spiritual entity that consists of world and of all the souls. Okay. Now, here we go. Uh, well, we know we talked about this already. Uh, we're still not back up to where we are. Hold on. He begins to talk about the inner aspect and the outer aspect of everything. And he says, with regards to the practical aspects of the mitzvot, the earlier generations had a more complete practice than do the latter generations. Wait just one moment. Let me find myself in my, in my notes because uh, this is not what we, what we are on yet. Hold on. So let me, let me back. Let me leave that up because this will be good. But let me catch us where we're at, okay? Leave it to me to get myself confused and not pay attention to the notes. But uh, y'all will get used to me one of these days. I'm sure of it. <laughs> if you don't get if you don't get uh, uh, totally put out with putting up with me, okay. So I found my place. Let's go on. He says, however, in this our generation, he says, in this I think this is important. He says we are close to the completion of the last period of the world, meaning the time of the redemption. And so he says, we have been permitted. He's trying to show us why, why our generation actually, and this is what he's going to try to work on for a little while, why our generation has been privileged to actually be able to see so many insights and secrets uh, that, that uh, it doesn't appear that the earlier generations either knew about or that they were interested in looking at. And this is, this is very important, and it has to do with this whole idea of the completion. So he says, so because of this, because we're close to the completion of, of this last period, we have been permitted, meaning him has been permitted to reveal the teachings of the Ari and those of the Zohar in a most significant measure to the world. And from our generation onwards, the words of the Zohar will begin to be revealed more and more until their whole measure is revealed according to the will of God. And I remind you of the letter that we wrote, uh, read the last time we were together from the Baal Shem Tov, saying exactly the same thing. Now he begins. He says, we can actually see, in actual fact, that the souls of the earlier generations, that they were actually immeasurably higher than those of the later, later generations. 
And he, but he says the rule for all spiritual entities, both pertaining to worlds and to souls, he, he says it again, uh, is that the purest vessels always incarnate first in the spiritual entity. So the vessels that were pertaining to Chokmah, Bina, and Dat, both of the world and of the souls, they incarnated first. They came first. Making the souls that incarnating during the, incarnated during the head period of the world incomparably higher than those who came after them. But, despite their tremendous elevation, they could not receive the full amount of light. Uh, due both to the lack of lower souls in the world, or something that would complete them, and to the lack of their own lower components. And he says, and th- those are the Sefirot of Chesed, Geberat, Tiferet. Netzach hod yesod in Malkut, the rest of the body. So even, he says, during the middle period, during the period of Torah, when the vessels of the world and of the souls that emerged were of the Sefirot of Chesed, Geberah, and Tiferet, then the souls were still extremely pure, seeing that the ve- these vessels of Chesed, Geberah, and Tiferet are close to the head vessels, the intellectual vessels, the Mokhin, Hokmah, Binandat, and he says, and at this stage, the higher lights were still concealed from the world due to the lack of incarnation of vessels from the level of the chest, now that's from Tiferet, and below, both in the world and in the souls themselves. However, he says, in our generation, the souls that are incarnating, they're from the lowest Sephirot, but they complete both the spiritual entity that consists of the world and the spiritual entity which consists of all the souls. So that's a we can all you know pat ourselves on the back in some small way. We shouldn't do that too much. That's dangerous. But knowing that even though our souls are not don't even begin to be on the spiritual level or the or the level of purity of the other two previous previous time periods, we still are necessary. We complete the whole thing, and we actually are what makes it possible for the holy lights from above to actually be completely revealed. So that's important. And that but that actually puts upon us a level of responsibility that we can't uh that we can't ignore. We are very, very responsible that we need to do the hard work, as Rabbi Ashlag would tell us. We need to make sure that we make a transformation to transform our will to receive for ourselves alone into a will to receive in order to give. And that's why we're studying together really in this. Uh, it's not so that all of us, oh, we know, we'll, we'll know how souls work and how the universe works and all of that, and that we know more than other people. No, absolutely not. It's so that we can take what we are learning here, we can begin to work on ourselves, we can begin to come close to Hashem and cleave to Him, we can begin to help other people, and we can begin to really fulfill our mission <laughs> on this planet, which is to make for him a home here below, our service to him. Okay? All right. Uh, so he says, they are the last vessels to incarnate. They complete the spiritual entity that consists of world and the spiritual entity which consists of souls and the last vessels to incarnate. So the work, therefore, from the aspect of the vessels, he says, is only completed through these souls, the souls of our generation. Now that the vessels, he says, of Netzach, Hod, and Yesod are complete, this means that all the vessels of the head and the middle and the legs of the spiritual entity of the world can draw on the full measure of the lights in the head, middle, and tail for anyone who is worthy of them. 
He says, and these are the soul levels of Nefesh, Ruach, and Neshama in their entirety. So only with the perfection of the lowest souls could the highest lights be revealed and not prior to this. Now he says, this was a problem that preoccupied the rabbis of the Talmud. Now he's going to give us, and I love it when Rabbi Ashlag gives us something from the Talmud. He always gives it to us and he shows us the extreme precision of the language and he shows us a way to look at it like maybe we, we didn't even notice before. Uh, and so I always enjoy him in this. He says they raise this question, this problem, in their characteristically metaphorical way. And we have to understand that. Uh, he gives us, Rabbi Ashlag actually gives us many, many keys to understanding Talmudic discourses and Talmudic arguments. And in our study, we'll, together with him, we'll, we'll discover many of those things. Anyway, he's going to quote now from the Talmud, and he says, Rav Papa said to Abaya. Now, Rav Papa and Abaya, they are of the fourth and the fifth generation, okay, from the Mishnah, okay? And he says, how is it that for the former generations, miracles were performed, but for us, miracles don't seem to happen? He says, it cannot be because they were better at studying, because in the time of Rav Yehuda, uh, and that's of the second generation, all they learned was the one tractate, this is one tractate in the Mishnah, called Nezikin. Whereas we study, in our day, in the fourth and the fifth generation, we study all six tractates of the Mishnah. And when Rav Yehuda was learning the law in the section of Uzkin, and the sec that section is this one phrase where it says, or it contains this one phrase where it says, if a woman presses vegetables in a pot, then Rav Yehuda used to say, I can see here in these few words all the difficulties of Rav and Shmuel. They are of the first generation. I can see in, in these words all of their difficulties. And what does he mean by that? Rabbi Ajlag tells us, in other words, that this small passage presents just as many difficulties <laughs> to them as all the rest of the Talmud did to us. In other words, their level was so, so extremely high. And then he says, and yet we of the fourth and the fifth generations, we have 13 different versions, or our expanded versions, our commented upon versions, of this one section, Uzkin. But nevertheless, and what he's saying here is, is actually in the fourth and the fifth generation, what he's saying is they understood this one small tractate, Uzkin, so well and had and and the oral Torah had expanded so much around it, uh, increasing our level of understanding in the third in the fourth and the fifth generation, that uh, it's just unbelievable. We have thirteen versions of it. He says, but in the days of uh, Rav and Shmuel, they didn't have that at all. So he's so he's talking about the level of understanding, but he says nevertheless, even though it seems that it appears that we have a much higher level of understanding, nevertheless, when Rav Yehuda merely took off one shoe. And what does that mean? If he took off one shoe, it means he was in preparation to fast in order to pray for rain. As soon as he took off his shoe, the rain used to arrive instantly. Whereas we, five generations later, torment ourselves and we cry loudly for rain and no notice is taken of us. Now this is what Rav Papa said. Abaya replied, this was his, his reply to him. The former generations 
they used to be ready to sacrifice, I mean, at a moment's notice, to sacrifice their lives for the sanctity of Hashem's name. But we, we do not sacrifice our lives for the sanctity of Hashem's name. So Rabbi Ashlag says, even though the later teachers were more skilled in answering difficult questions of law than were the earlier generations, it was very clear to them that the former generations were actually of a holier essence than they were. Rav Papa and Abaya, he said, may have been considerably more skilled in Torah and in its wisdom than were the earlier generations, but those former generations, their souls, were closer to the level of the Ein Sof, uh, the infinite God, in the essence of their souls. The reason for this, again, he says, is that the purer vessels incarnate first, whereas the wisdom of Torah, being the light, the revelation, the understanding, expanded consciousness, if you will, is revealed more and more to the latter generations. And he says, and as we have stated, it is precisely through its lowest vessels that the spiritual entity becomes completed. Then, the more complete lights are drawn to the entity, even though the essence of the lowest vessels is actually furthest from the Ein Sof. Uh, Okay, I think, yes, well, let's hold, no, hold on, I've got my slides all messed up, which is, which is not, a, shouldn't be a surprising thing. No, we're okay, actually, we're in the right place now for, for, for what he's fixing to talk about. Okay, either that or I have them written wrong in the book, I think I have them written wrong in my book, but anyway, it'll be okay. He says, one need not ask then that if this is the case... Why do we always follow the earlier generations in issues concerning the revealed Torah? Now he's talking about a Talmudic law that when it comes to practical matters, uh, the practical halakha, that's when he says revealed Torah, this is what he's meaning. And so he says, if that's the case, if we actually have, have a, a better understanding or, or an expanded understanding of Torah, than they did, even though their souls were on a much purer and much higher level than ours. Why, why do we always follow the earlier generations and issues concerning even the revealed Torah? So he explains to us here. He says, the matter is as follows. With regards to practical aspects of the mitzvot, of the commandments, the earlier generations had a more complete practice than do the latter generations. And we can find example after example of this, by the way, in the oral Torah, in the oral tradition, in in both the excuse me, both the Mishnah and the Gemara. But he says this is because practice and practical matters; those things are actually drawn from the holiest vessels of the Sfirot, whereas the innermost aspects of Torah, meaning the wisdom of the Torah or the secrets of the Torah, and the reasons for the mitzvot. They come from the lights that are within the spherot. Not the vessel itself, but the light that's in it. So he says, we have already seen that vessels actually follow an opposite rule to that of lights. With regard to vessels, the highest ones develop first. Therefore, the earlier generations, he said, had a greater understanding of practical Torah and what it meant and how to do it and the ability to do it than the latter generations. 
And he says, but the opposite is true as regards lights. The lowest ones enter first. Thus, the latter generations have a more complete understanding of the wisdom of Torah than the former generations had. Now we come to the slide that I've had up in front of you for a while. And uh, we come to this place. We are entering now into an entirely different kind of a level of understanding of what he wants to, what he wants to get across to us. Because he wants to begin to teach us about the inner and the outer aspects of everything. Uh, and, no, I'm sorry. Hold on. That's just what we talked about. Let me jump to the next slide. Yeah. The inner and outer aspects of everything. And this will be... The, what's, what's actually up on the slide right now, up, up on the screen right now, is, is an absolutely amazing thing that Ravashlag teaches us and that he says. I have to be very careful the way we present it because I don't, I don't want anyone to actually misunderstand either what he is saying or the way I'm going to present it. We are going to come back to this idea. We're not going to, I want to follow Ravashlag, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> until he completes for us his, just his introduction to the Holy Zohar. Then, it, then when we're finished with that, and we'll be finished with that probably in another, uh, another lesson or two, then I want to come back to this whole idea uh, of the inner and the outer aspect to everything. And, and it's, there's, there's one thing that I have underlined on the slide where he says the same is true within Israel itself and even within every individual soul, whether it's Jewish or non-Jewish. Every soul has an inner aspect and an outer aspect. That inner aspect is called Yisrael. That outer aspect is called the 70 nations. All right? And so it's true on the level of worlds and it's true on the level of souls. This is going to be a, really an amazing thing. Now we have, we have so much more to say about it, but I just want to, I just want to mention it to you. Now honestly, don't take that and, you know, and say, oh, and call somebody and say, oh, you know, Sam said, that every soul has a Jewish aspect and a, and a Gentile aspect. This is, this is not what Sam said because it's not what Rav Ashlag said. He says every soul has a Israel aspect and every soul has a nation's aspect. A Jewish soul has an Israel aspect and it also has within it the outer aspect of the nations. A non-Jewish soul also, there is a level of your soul that is an Israel aspect, the inner aspect of it. There is an outer aspect of it, which is nations, Gentile aspect of it. All right, that's that's what Rav Ashlag is saying. He's not saying that uh, that everybody's Jewish. He's not saying anything like that. And uh, anyway, we will we will take this just a little at a time. But this idea that he is presenting here, his finding that he is presenting here concerning the Israel part of your soul and the nation's part of the, your soul. It really is, it's, it's, a, it's only a revolutionary idea in that he had the chutzpah to put it on paper for us. It's not like it's something that new that he discovered. That's, that's not the thing. It's been known all along. It's just he had the chutzpah to actually, and because he knew the time, and he knew that we had to prepare ourselves, and he knew that the redemption is coming to a completion and he knew that the Mashiach is coming and he knew we <laughs> the, the, the timing was everything 
And he had the chutzpah to put this idea down, which actually can expand us tremendously, and we can see how it can work. Now, that doesn't mean uh, that it will work in the sense of of uh, in the cooperation of everybody in this idea. All right, so let's not try to take that or and do anything with it or or be crazy with the idea. But let's just study this this idea of the inner and aspect to everything. Let's finish Rabbi Ashlag's introduction, and then we want to come back to this idea of of Jewish and non-Jewish souls, of the Israel the, the Israel aspect and the nations aspect. Okay, all right, that's what we'll do. Okay, so he says, now you must know that everything has an inner aspect and an outer aspect. In the world as a whole, he says, Yisrael, the seed of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, that they are considered to be the, the innermost aspect. The 70 nations are considered to be the outer aspect of the world. Within Israel itself, there is an inner aspect which consists, he says, of those people who are seriously committed to their spiritual work of serving God, and there is an outer aspect consisting of those who are not involved in spirituality. Likewise, he says, among the nations of the world, there is an inner aspect which consists of the saints of the world, of the righteous Gentiles, of the, of the Hasidim uh, from among the nations. Okay? So, among the nations of the world, there is an inner aspect of the saints of the world, and an outer aspect, he says, which consists of those who are destructive and coarse. He says, even among those of Israel who serve God, there is an inner aspect and an outer aspect. The inner aspect is those people who are privileged to understand the soul of the innermost aspects of Torah and all of its secrets. And the outer part consists of people who only deal with only the practical aspects of Torah. Let's... Let me change here. Oh, that's not exactly what I wanted to do right there, because this is something that I have in here, but that we will come back to, because just as we have the tensity wrote our emanations of the pattern of the universe, they also are the powers of our soul, and we will talk about that later, but I have this completely out of order. So pardon me. In fact, I think we need to jump to here. Yes. Okay. He says, all of this can, can also be considered likewise on the individual level, in one individual person. The individual has within him or her the innermost aspect, which is the aspect of Yisrael within the person. Now, he is going to define for us what that means. I'll tell you briefly what it means. Uh, Yisrael, for those of you who know Hebrew, Yud, in this case, Sin, uh, Resh, Aleph, Lamed. But a scene can also be a sheen. So it can actually break down to Yashar, which means straight, L, to God. That part of your soul, Rabbi Ashlag divines as Israel, is that part of your soul that goes and has a connection straight to Hashem, straight to God. Okay? Alright. So the individual, he says, has within him or her the innermost aspect, which is the aspect of Israel within the person. And he says, and this is the point of divine light that is within his or her heart. And he or she also has an outer aspect which corresponds to the 70 nations of the world. 
And that outer aspect relates to the will to receive. The 70 nations part relates to the will to receive, usually for oneself alone. All right? Uh, in fact, it does. These internal, he says, nations of the world, though, they have the capacity for transformation. You don't have to stay that way. No soul has to stay that way, completely and totally controlled by the evil inclination, completely and totally controlled by the will to receive for oneself alone. It does not. It has the, it has the ability, it has the capacity, if you will, for transformation. He says they can cleave to the innermost divine part of the person's soul, and they then become like the righteous converts who join with the community of Israel. And we have much more to say on this also in the future, but let's continue with Rav Ashlag for right now. A person, he says, may reinforce and respect his or her innermost aspect, which is the aspect of Israel within the person, over his or her external aspect, which is the aspect of the nations of the world within the person. And if you respect and reinforce it, he says, he or she then strives to put most of his or her energy and labor into increasing and enhancing his or her innermost aspect for the sake of your own soul. To those aspects of himself or herself, he says, which correspond to the internal nations of the world within that person, he or she gives only the minimum required. You will see this idea many, many times, like in the, just like in the idea of eating. If you ever look at what some of the, tzaddik, the great tzaddikim say about eating, like, like Rebbe Nachman or the Baal Shem Tov, or, or Rebbe uh, Levi Yitzhakar Berdichev, uh, you eat just to satisfy, just to not, or just to support your physical body in order to be able to continue to service Shem. You don't actually eat for yourself alone. <laughs> You're even eating just to support your ability to serve God by giving benefit to others is the idea. So in, in this model and what he is saying, if a person is totally overtaken by any of their emotion powers or any powers of their soul which, which have to do with the will to receive for itself alone, uh, no matter what that might be, and they totally cannot control that, then the nations of their soul, which is the outermost external aspect of their own soul, that's what's running the show. That's what's on top. That's what's in control. That's what's giving everything leadership. That's what's leading you on the path that you're going, no matter what that might be. And that is being what many of the Hasidim call being upside down. That's what it means to be upside down. Back here again, let's jump if I can do this. I may get us all completely and totally confused what we're doing here. No. You see, those three at the top, Chokmah, Bina, and Da'at, we're going to find that that is the Israel aspect. That is the intern, or, or the inside aspect of your soul. The lower Sfirot, which Rav Ginsburg here shows us correctly, are the emotion powers of our soul. They are the are really the external aspects in what people see and the way we relate to the world and they're good they're absolute we have to have them they're important they come from a shim as everything does but they are not to be the ones in charge because those are the external aspects those are the nation's aspect 
So if these bottom, if chesed, love, gevurah, meaning severeness, strictness, uh, any of these, if they are running the show, then you can see they are on top, and chokmah and binah and dot, that's the Israel aspect, they are on the bottom. So you are upside down. Well, we have, a, we have so much more to talk about this, and we will. Okay? Okay. Uh, let me find my place. All right. He says, I, uh, okay, hold on, hold on. I thought I knew where I was at. Give me one second. He said, to those aspects of himself or herself which correspond to the internal nations of the world within that person, he or she gives only the minimum that's required. Uh, that is to say that the person only gives the minimum to his or her wills to receive for oneself alone, according to what is written in Pirkei Avot, this, this, uh, in the Mishnah, the ethics of the fathers or the chapters of the fathers, where the sages tell us, make your Torah your main occupation and your work secondary to it. Another, uh, he says, the person's deeds, what we do, and by the way, when he says deeds there, he means on all levels, which means on the level of thought. It's what we think, what we say, what we do. They affect both the inner aspect and the external aspect of the world as a whole. He or she causes the spiritual level of Israel to go up, and the nations of the uh, and the nations of the world, which comprise the external aspect of humanity, then recognize and value Israel. Now stop right there, because now he's moving. Remember, we almost forgot because we got so involved on, on the individual level. Let's see what the next one is. We got so involved on the individual level that we've forgotten that he's really he was talking about the world originally as a spiritual entity. So what he is telling us is what you know what happens with us on an individual level on whether or not the Israel part of our soul is in its rightful place, not meaning that we're not upside down, uh, that, that makes us go up closer to Hashem. That makes uh, everything become right, everything to become in order. But he said at the same time, if we don't do that, it can actually cause an effect in the world as a whole. Now, if you think about this, it's absolutely correct. I had a good friend one time sit with me and tell me when he finally got a hold of this from Rabbi Shlag, and he and basically he's he was saying the relationship that we develop with the powers of our own soul, with the Israel part of our soul, meaning the Mochin, the Hokmah Binan Dat, and the emotion powers of our soul, meaning from Chesed on down to Malkut, uh, he says if we get them in proper order. The whole world can be in proper order. And on the level of worlds, Yisrael, the nation of Yisrael, the people of Yisrael, meaning the Jewish people in this instance, they are to be, at least in this world, and we'll talk, I'll explain that later, but the Jewish people in this instance, they are to be the leaders. They should provide the leadership of the world. But because as individuals we're not right side up, we're all, up, we're all being upside down, then that actually causes the world to be upside down, which puts Israel on the world level on the bottom and the nations of the world ruling over it. So much to, that we see exactly what's happening today. So instead of the nations of the world asking Israel, how do we solve, what, what's the best way that we can solve the problems in the Middle East, the nations of the world come to Israel and tell them how to solve the problem. 
This is the idea. I'll, t I'll share something else with you because no telling how far we'll get here. We're, we're beginning to run out of time. I heard Rav Yitzhak Ginsburg say in a lecture in Israel one time say a most amazing thing. He, he was talking about what is the source for anti-Semitism. How does it come to be that the that nations of the world hate us, hate, hate us as the Jewish people, and real anti-Semitism. And he said on some internal level of everyone's soul, non-Jewish souls, they know, the soul itself knows that the Jewish people, that the nation of Israel should be leading the world both in spirituality and in practicality. And he says, and because Israel does not, or is not able to, or does not do this, they hate us for it. That was a very surprising thing that I heard him say. It was it was a very, very interesting way to put it, and uh, put a tremendous amount of responsibility back on the Jewish people that we have to get our act together. But as we're going to see, you can help us get our act together. That's what all of this is about. You actually can assist us. You actually, and you should. This is part of your mission. As B'nai Noach, this really is part of your mission, is to assist the nation of Israel in the sense of, in the sense even of serving the nation of Israel, and, and don't get me wrong there, but serving us in order to help us be what we are supposed to be. And, um, and if we'll look at all of this that we're talking about, as Rabbi Ashlag is talking, uh, I'm telling you, we can move to a new level. Okay, in the time that we have left, let's finish his thought here, or, or begin to look at his thought here that he is talking about, where he says, now he says, uh, a person's deeds, meaning thought, speech, and action, affect both the inner aspect and the external aspect of the world as a whole, and he or she causes the spiritual level of Israel to go up and the nations of the world, which comprise the external aspect of humanity, then recognize and value Israel instead of hating her. But, he says, if, God forbid, the opposite occurs, that an individual of Israel, meaning now the Jewish people, reinforces and values his or her outer aspects, which is the aspect of the nations of the world within him or her, over and above his own, his, his or her inner aspect of Israel, then according to the prophecy of Deuteronomy, Devarim chapter 28, the stranger that is within you, and he says, what does that refer to in Deuteronomy 28? The stranger that is within you actually refers to the, this external aspect of the person, the nations, will prevail over you higher and higher, and you, as you are in yourself, in your innermost aspect, in your aspect of Israel within you, you will go down further and further. And that's in Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse 43. Then he says, the person causes by his or her deeds that the externality of the world, which is the nations of the world, ascends higher and higher and has power over Israel and humiliates Israel to the dust. And they that are the innermost aspect of the world they go down further and further because when Israel is put down, then the innermost aspect of all the nations of the world also goes down with it. And Rav Ashlag says, God forbid. Now, he says, don't be surprised by the fact that an individual person, through his or her deeds, can cause an elevation or a degradation of the whole world. He says, this is an unalterable law. The macrocosm, meaning the totality, and the microcosm, meaning the individual level, or the individual part, they are as like to each other as two drops of water. 
The same procedures that occur with respect to the macrocosm occur with regard to the individual and vice versa. Furthermore, it is the individual components themselves, he says, which make up the macrocosms, and thus the macrocosm is only revealed through the manifestation, or meaning the totality is only revealed through the manifestation of its individual components, according to their measure and according to their quality. So he says, certainly, the act of a single person, this is so important that we get this, I'm telling you, it truly does matter what you think, say, and do. Even and not not just for yourself, see, uh, not just how it will affect yourself, not just how it, that will bring you close to a shim. That's that's not the point. That it will, I mean, but it it actually and it doesn't also just not affect this physical world. It affects the spiritual worlds also above us, because as uh, Rabbi Moshe Chaim Wazato always teaches us, everything is coming and manifesting itself in this physical world, is coming from uh, its highest roots in the spiritual realms. So what we think, say, and do doesn't just affect us, doesn't just affect those around us. It actually affects the entire world, it, it, the physical world. It affects the entire spiritual world. That's how important that is. Not to put a trip on you, you know, to make, you know, but just to bring to mind how important it is to be aware of what you're thinking, what you're saying, what you're doing. Okay. All right. So he says, the act of a single person according to his or her capacity, it may lower or it may elevate humanity as a whole. And he says, and this is how we can understand what is stated in the Zohar, that through the study of the Zohar and the practice of the true wisdom, we can bring about an end to our state of exile and a complete redemption. Now he says, now of course you're going to ask, what studying the Zohar could have to do with redeeming Israel from among the nations? And he, be, and he begins and he picks it up with this idea. I think actually this right here is where I, is, is, we're just going to stop right, right here uh, uh, and where we can pick him up. Now remember, unfortunately, I won't be with you uh, the, uh, the next week. But uh, so we have to skip one week. We'll be back with you on the 19th, Bezrat Hashem, with God's help. I think I'm looking at the calendar correctly. I don't have my glasses on. I can't see that far, but I think that's it. So let me mark my place here. And so on the 19th, we will start again with Rav Yitzhak, or, or uh, Rav Yehuda Lev Ashlag, excuse me, um, and begin to to understand why studying the Zohar. See, this is a novel idea. This is an amazing idea. But it's basically what uh, we saw uh, in the letter from the Baal Shem Tov. <coughs> uh, so what studying the Zohar could have to do with redeeming Israel from among the nations. The main point tonight that I hope we got, the main point is this, and I'm reading again, and, and by the way, and this is an idea that we are going to talk about over and over and over again. So the main point is it's extremely important what we think, say, or do. Then this revolutionary thought concerning Israel and the nations, the inner aspect, the outer aspect. And again, from, from a note from Rav Ashlag, it says, Our most divine aspect is termed in Kabbalistic language the aspect of Israel within us. It comes from the term of Yashar El, meaning straight to God. Our different wills to receive are referred to as the nations of the world, or the kings even sometimes. You'll hear it referred to that in, in uh, some Kabbalistic work, the kings of the nations. 
and they are what are commonly called, he says, in modern psychology as subpersonalities. But these terms, he says, of Yisrael, or Yesharel, straight to God, and the nations apply equally to the Jew and the non-Jew. And we will build on that idea and try to come to a further understanding after we finish Rabbi uh, Ashlag's introduction to the Zohar in, in a week or so. Then we will begin to build on this idea and try to understand it a little more and a little better. Once again, you know, uh, Sam is not telling you that souls are absolutely the same in the sense of they are the same, but we have different missions. And uh, so we we have to work on this and and look at it. But this is from Rav Yehuda Lev Ashlag, and it's an, it's an amazing and profound and really a revolutionary kind of idea to to re reinvigorate our thinking and and maybe even redirect us in our thinking to a to a higher level of understanding of the true wisdom of the Torah. Okay, we'll stop right there. We'll pick back up. Have to skip one week, then we'll pick back right back up looking at what studying the Zohar has to do with the redemption of the world. And I hope and pray that it will be interesting to you. I thank you very, very much for for having the the uh, the oomph <laughs> to come week after week and study study with us and, and sit and study the great sages. And uh let's continue to do it as long as as long as Hashem allows us to do it. And with God's help uh, we'll continue to grow and we'll continue to learn and uh we'll continue to please Hashem in what we are thinking and what we are saying and what we are doing. So Shalom Uvraka to you, peace and a blessing and uh I, I look forward to being with you in a in a couple of weeks. Shalom Shalom, bye bye.